I think we're just ready to really hit top gear. I think it's coming very, very soon. Coming up on the official Celtic FC podcast. Stephen McManus joins us as we look ahead to the weekend's action for the first team and the B team. Tommy Gramson was absolutely mental. He thought he was going to drown. Tommy and Tommy just kept that me always up and down. Stephen also looks back on his favourite Celtic memories and answers some of your fan questions. This is the official Celtic FC podcast. Hi everyone, yeah, welcome along to the official Celtic FC podcast. Um, it's the first one in a while, as you can probably tell, we've had a little bit of a rebrand. It's taken us a little bit of time to get to you all but as you can see we've got a new name so if you listen to the Celtic View podcast last season then don't be alarmed because we are still the same podcast we just had a slight name change and we're going to have a new format to the show as well you're listening to us this episode's coming out on a Friday and every Friday we're going to have a weekend preview show which is going to be audio only you can get in all of your podcasting platforms and we're also going to have every Tuesday a show which will be again on all your podcast platforms but also on YouTube and we're going to have more guests, we're going to have more shows, we're going to have post-match shows as well after games at Celtic Park. We're just basically back bigger, better, stronger and hopefully more content for you to enjoy. Um, You can listen to us as I said on all of our podcast platforms, you can also get in touch with us, we're desperate for you this season to get in touch with the podcast and you can do that on our Twitter at the Celtic View and also on our email address which is CelticView at CelticFC.co.uk. Um, okay, kind of formalities out the way a little bit there, um, I swear that'll be the first time that we do that. To introduce, we've got a new member to the podcast team this season, some people might know him for his work doing the Celtic tours, I, I think his, his best moment is in the trophy day of last season, everyone looks at Cal McGregor lifting the trophy, but it was actually this man, Matthew Campbell, that was keeping guard of the trophy with the white gloves on. Matthew, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you? you very much. I'm absolutely delighted to be here and buzzing to be a part of uh, the New Look podcast. And you're quite right to mention um, trophy day last year. It was absolutely fantastic. And I want to just put any rumours that I was trying to shoehorn my way into the pictures to bed. I was fulfilling my job and <laughs> doing it to the best of my ability. It was a wonderful day. And like I say, absolutely wasn't to be a part of this. Yeah, you're going to be a regular voice this season. So looking forward to having you on. So you've had your hands on the trophy, Matt. Another man that's had his hands on the trophy is our guest for our first podcast. He's sat there long enough. Um, it's none other than a man that came through our youth academy, went on to captain Celtic more than 200 appearances, 20 goals, three league titles, plenty of cups, big European moments, last 16, and now helping to lead the B team. It's none other than Steve McManus. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. No, thanks all for having me, guys. It's, uh, like you say, for the first podcast, it's always nice to, to come in to, to see you guys to get a catch-up. So looking forward to it. Perfect, yeah. Um, how's things at the moment? Uh, where the B team season is kind of picking up pace a little bit this moment in time how are things it's been going very well um you know it's a, it's a new group of players that that, that that were brought up this year as well so uh, a few of the, the 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 kind of 2004 boys have went loan your Matthew Anderson's Ben McPherson Boson Lowell 
uh, Ben Summers have went loan, which which is great for them. It's their next stage of their development. So it's the kind of niche group that, that, that we then bring up. So um, they've trained really well. They've worked really, really, really hard, which they always do. So um, at this period of the season, there's a lot of games that come thick and fast. You've got the, the loan league games, the Premier League International Cup. You've got the Youth or Youth League. So it's quite an intense uh, part of the season. But again, it's one that we're all looking forward to collectively as a staff and with the players. Yeah, Matt, I'm really excited to have Stephen on because we're going to look ahead to the weekend's action for the first team and the B team, but also we're going to get a chance later on to speak a little bit about your career as well, which is which is quite exciting because just reading some of those honours there, it's been some career in, in the plain side of things, hasn't it? Absolutely sensational. We were actually having a little catch up, Ryan and myself, just about you know our memories of yourself as player and captain. So um, we're going to dig into that um, a little bit later on in the podcast. Obviously, sensational career. And now you're involved in the coaching side. How does that sort of differ from, you know, being out there doing it yourself? Uh, it's been great, Matt. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I think I'm retired maybe six years, I think it is, or five or six years for the, for, from the playing side. But um, this becomes your life. You become obsessed with it. I've been like that for a long period of time. So um, you're only trying to kind of pass on the experiences that you gained as a player into the next crop of players. Like say when I was coming through here as, as a young kid, you had your coaches had a massive influence not just on that period of time, but your 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 transition from a from a, a, a young player into an adult. Um, so you're trying to influence these boys in life and guide them in the correct path, and and that's where your passion lies now, other rather than the playing side of it. Perfect. Well, why don't we get fired into the weekend preview? We'll kick off with the first team. Heading off to Motherwell, which is another reason why I've got Stephen in as a guest, a man that's played for for both teams. Uh, yeah, heading to Motherwell at Fur Park on Saturday lunchtime kickoff. And Matt, you've been looking into some of the stats. Yes, into the game. I have, and I'm going to just dig out the stats book right here. I'm sure through <laughs> it is an actual book. It is an actual book, yeah. And I think as the season goes, this book's going to fill up with some <laughs> weird and wonderful <coughs> statistics. So, of course, we we'll travel to Fur Park this weekend. Now, Celtic versus Motherwell. That sort of fixture began, the first meeting between the two clubs was in 1889, April the 6th, 1889, uh, a long time ago. Um, I'm happy to report that Celtic won 8-3 on that particular occasion. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't Fur Park at the time. Um, we actually played Motherwell at DL Park in front of 5,000 uh, spectators, which is quite a crowd, uh, you know, for that time period. Now, we got off to a great start, 8-3. However, Motherwell have a little sort of place in Celtic's story and it relates to eight goals, and I'm sorry to report that that sort of place in Celtic's story is that Motherwell inflicted Celtic's worst ever defeat. They beat Celtic 8-0 on the 30th of April 1937. Now, the reason I'm mentioning that is because I've got a wee sneaking suspicion here that there were some hangovers present in the Celtic <laughs> squad or the Celtic team that day because six days before that match, we actually beat Aberdeen 2-1 in the Scottish Cup final. Now... That match is important because, of course, Celtic won the Scottish Cup, but also because there were almost 158,000 spectators at Hampden Park to watch that Scottish Cup final, which is still a European club record for a crowd at a domestic match. But can you imagine that? 100, but it was no. something like 147,000, but we'll, we'll, we'll call it 150,000. Imagine that many people crammed into the, the one Two and a half Celtic Park. It's incredible. No. And in actual fact, like he's in a wee rumour that I've heard before, 150,000 was deemed to be the sort of capacity of Hamden at that point in time. But that didn't include if there were people standing on the stairwells, which if you look at the photographs from that cup final, you can't see the stairwells. 
So it could have been upwards of 180,000 <laughs> at that cup final. So going on to lose 8-0 six days later, maybe there's an excuse in yep. there. You know, we're still suffering from the, the hangover of winning the cup. So I was on a wee look at the sort of stats um, over the last 20-odd years. So since the 2000-2001 season, we've played Motherwell across all competitions 80 times. There have been 12 draws. There have been six Motherwell wins. For Celtic, there have been 62 victories uh, throughout those years. So, you know, we're, we're, in, we're in good form, uh, got into that. We're, of course, taking Motherwell on at Fur Park and having a little look at Fur Park, which is a place, of course, Stephen, that you'll know well. Since the uh, 1960s, the sort of main stand, the Phil O'Donnell stand, as it is now, has remained incomplete because uh, you'll, you'll notice that sort of part of the far end of the stand, there's nothing there but scaffolding. Yeah, well, that's been like, that, yeah. yeah, well, that's been like that since the 1960s. Um, and the reason why... It was not completed, is because there was a, a dispute between Motherwell Football Club and one of the homeowners in the street <laughs> uh, behind that stand. Um, this news to you, Stephen. Absolutely, <laughs> no idea. So um, I, I think it was something to do with blocking the sunlight or blocking the view, whatever. Of course, Motherwell lost the dispute. They couldn't complete the stand, and it's remained sort of unfinished ever since. But Celtic's record at Fur Park over the last ten seasons is quite impressive. We've played there fifteen times. We've drawn four of those games and we've won 11 of those matches. We've scored 39 goals, we've conceded only 13, so it's been a happy hunting ground for Celtic over the last 10 seasons. So with all that in mind, all those stats, what are your thoughts going into the match on Saturday, Stephen? Um, even as a player, Matthew, it was, it was, it was always a difficult place to play. Um, when, let's say when, when you went to Fir Park, you knew what you were going to get, you were going to face a, a, a side that were going to come and have a go at you, they would, they would get in your faces. So it was always a difficult game. Um, but it was always a, a, a place that, that we enjoyed kind of going. The pitch was never great at, at times when we used to play at Fir Park. Obviously that then changed um, over the last few years. I think you've seen the pitch is, is, is in tremendous condition. Um, when we went there as, as part of Angie's staff, you know, with, in, in that year, we had some really, really good performances. Um, and I've no doubt uh, the weekend's going to be the same. So for whatever reason, it's always been a good place for, for Celtic to go and play. Um, so again, one that the, the, the players and the staff and everybody, the supporters will, will look forward to going. Um, and it's always nice to, 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 to go in, in, in a league campaign and, and, and get it get it going. Uh, so we're in a good place, a club just now, so hopefully we can we can keep it going. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll kind of focus mainly on Celtic in just a moment, but just sticking with Motherwell mm -hmm. at this moment in time, because they've had a tremendous start to the season, yep. really just since Stuart Kettlewell yep. has come in as manager, their mm -hmm. form really has picked up. So it's always one of those venues which you look at as probably being one of the tougher ones to go to, but particularly at this moment in time, the way that they're playing, do you think it causes a few more challenges oh, as well? Ryan, it's, it's, there's no doubt that it's going to be a difficult game. You know, Stuart Kettlewell's done a tremendous job since he's since he's been in at Motherwell. You know, he's, he seems to have galvanised the whole club. Um He's got the, the 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 team playing in a certain style of play, but I think it suits the players that they've got. So um, there seems to be a lot of clarity and a lot of clear messages that what he's trying to then put across to the players, and they're taking it on board. So you can see that it's going to be a difficult game. But again, certainly for 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 our first team, you know, the, the result against Livingston was massive and a difficult place to go. Again, a completely different game comparison to playing in Astro, then you then come back to a good grass pitch. Um, but no, that listen, all, all credit to Muddle, they're, they're, they're in a really good place just now and, and I've no doubt they'll fancy their chances then with us going there. But um, like I say, it's an early kick-off, I think, at the weekend. So it's it's one that 
it's another chance for us to then put get another three points on the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matthew, we come into this game after a couple of impressive three 0 victories, but I think especially that game at Livingston, as Stephen touched upon there, it's always a difficult place to go in the Asher Turf pitch. And we had the mitigation went down to 10 men as well. And at times we just looked like we had 11 men in the park. You didn't even notice that. Yeah, well, of course, as um, first of all, as the manager was saying, you know, when you've got Dyson Maida in the <laughs> team, you know, you're never down to 10. Yeah. The amount of running that that guy does is, you know, frightening, actually. Um, but you're right, you know, to go to Livingston, if you, even you go to Livingston with 11 men on the park and win 3-0, that's a wonderful result. But then to go down to 10, and like you say... That, it's almost like we went down to 10. We were so prepared for sort of any eventuality that when we went down to 10, we were in total control of the match and we just kick it up a gear. We were almost in cruise control towards the end of the match. And of course, Dyson rounds off a you know, a, a wonderful performance with a, a worldie of a strike, <laughs> yeah. just bending it in from outside the area. Um, so of course, we were going into this game with confidence. But as we were just touching on there as well, the form that Motherwell are in, the way that they're playing, you know, that'll only encourage them as a team, but I also think as a support, you know, the Motherwell fans will be going to that match thinking, we can do something here, you know, because when the performances are so good, the expectation rises, you know, you're not going to just try and keep the score down or whatever, you're going to try and make an impact. So it'll be a wonderful game. And like we are saying there, we're going to it with confidence, so are Motherwell. So we'll see what happens. Mm. But if the if the, the stats are anything to go by, <laughs> hopefully we're in for a good afternoon on Saturday. Yeah. Stephen, what's impressed you so far about Celtic this season? Obviously, change of manager on with Brendan Rodgers coming in. There's some slight differences in the nuances of how they yep. want to play their game. I think we've, we've seen in the last few games especially that the players seem to be understanding his message a little yep. bit more clearly on the park. But what have you been impressed with and what have you noticed about Celtic? I, I think when you look at the, the different styles of, of both managers, um, when you look at Angie's style and Brendan's style, they're, they're, they're two very different, they're, they're two completely different personalities as people. But the one thing that they've got in common is the two of them are absolutely both top, top managers. Um, so coming into a, a side off the back of winning a treble, it, it, it can be a it can be a challenge at times. But the manager's come in and, and he's been very clear in what he's wanting. He's getting people on board straight away, and it's I, I think it's been it's certainly off the field. It's been it's been a seamless transition. Um, I think we're just ready. He really hit top gear. I think it's coming very very soon. Um, the players, even the, the players signing new contracts, it takes the players that come in it takes a wee bit of time. But the ones that have been here for a, a longer period to see them signing new contracts is terrific. You know, Anthony Ralston's just done it. Cal McGregor done it at the start of the season. Kyogo Dyson. Hopefully, there's going to be another couple off the back of it. Um, and it's key players to 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 to, to how the, the manager wants the team to play. But the most important thing is again when you you see the character of when you want to play our club and you need characters that are wanting to play in any sort of condition you know you see that you go to Livingston the other the other day you go down to 10 men so you, straight away people are questioning what's the character like of the team what's the mentality like of the of the team and you can see straight away you know they're very calm they're very controlled the manager wants to dominate the ball he's wanting he's wanting to have it for long periods of time to control the game in all aspects even when you're down to 10 men and when you look at the personnel that that, that we had at the top end of the pitch both Kyogo and Dyson, their work ethic uh, the the desire to work for the team is incredible and I think that's the most important thing is the manager's building a, a, a team that's the most important it's not about individuals it's about a collective and that goes through the full club so there's a real togetherness um, which you can feel 
um, being a part of it. Mm-hmm. You, you're just t- uh, touching there on Anthony Ralston um, extending his stay at the club, which is obviously wonderful news yeah, for Anthony. Just you know, I was just thinking there's you know, is that important you know to have players like Anthony Ralston, Cal McGregor, James Forrest as well, who have you know come through the ranks of the football club. Much like yourself, Stephen, yeah. you know, how, how important is that to have, you know, guys like that embedded in a squad and and, and helping the players around them? I think that when you when you join our club as a, as a young kid or as an employee, you know, I think it's my personal belief is, 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 is that when you've got people that know what the, the football club means to other people, you know, I think a lot of, a, a lot of the players we certainly see within the academy, unless it's a difficult, difficult thing to do is to come all the way through our academy into the first team. But I think it's really important that the more people that understand the values of the, the football club, what it means to the supporters, what it means to people, like I say, it's, it's, it's ingrained it with you, you're born into the club, the football club through your family. I think that's really important. Um, because you know exactly what it what it takes to, to achieve success. You also know what it feels like when you're not successful and it hurts. It hurts like you wouldn't believe. So I think that can drive people on. But So when you've got people that know what it means to people, I think that's the most important thing. You see that obviously at first team level. John's been here for, for such a long period of time. You've got Callum, you've got James, you've got Anthony, you've got Stephen Welsh. And they're the ones that influence the new signings coming in because they give absolutely everything every single day. And that's the reason why they are in the positions that they are, they're in at the football club. And I think a lot of it comes from the, the, the leadership at the, at the top of the football club. You know, the managers come in and, and he's instilled a real work ethic, which is, that's what our club's all about. It's about being humble. It's about having humility. And these guys, um, they're the ones that show every day at the top end what it means to be a part of this football club. Yeah, really brilliant news for Anthony to, to get his new contract. We're, we're going to hear um, a bit from the manager in a, a moment just leading up to the Motherwell game. But before we get to that, uh, Stephen, I just wondered, is, is there any memories for you that stand out about going to Fur Park as a Celtic player or also being a Motherwell player? Is there any moments that stand out for you? Uh, there's, believe it or not, actually my f- the, the first... I think I tell a lie. The first time I played at Fir Park was under Martin O'Neill. Um, that was the season I made my debut, and it was. I remember the fans at that time. Model had a tradition at the end of the last home game of the season. Uh, they ran on the pitch. Um, <laughs> So I remember Ross Wallace getting booted up the backside <laughs> off a supporter. That, that was the first time I'd, I'd played at Fir Park in a competitive game. Again, it was towards the end of the season. Um, Gordon's first game. Um, Oh, yeah. Celtic four, came four. off the back of, of, of the away game to Bratislava. Mm. I was on the bench in Bratislava and then I came in uh, for my first start under Gordon at that uh, campaign. I'm saying we'd lost five in Bratislava, so I thought that's my chance to get to, to get in. And then I was part of the team that lost four. Um, and, and I thought that was that was my opportunity to play for Celtic again gone. Um, but again, I then played in the, in, in the Tuesday night and that was me off and running. Um, Playing for Motherwell, again we took part in a brilliant, a brilliant game. We went, I think we went two one up or two 0 up, possibly at Park. I can't remember exactly, but I think Tom Rogic scored in the Invincible oh, the season, game, the four yeah, three yeah, game. And, that, yeah. um, I played in that game for Motherwell. And it was a brilliant game to play in. Um, I think that was Brendan's first kind of first right. kind of season. But but again, a brilliant game. Both sets of fans were, were right behind both sets of both sets of players. So. Um, I had I was lucky enough to have brilliant times at Motherwell. You know, it's a real, real family family club. Love my time there. Brilliant people at the football club, and and, and it's always a result that I, that that I look out for to see how they got on. Like I said, you you you've grew up at this club. This is 
this is part of your DNA. I think everybody knows that because the length of time you've 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 spent at the football club throughout two spells. So Celtic's always your bread and butter, but then after that, I always keep a close eye on 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 how Motherwell are getting on. Brilliant. Well, we'll take a little break at the moment and we'll hear from Brendan Rodgers, the manager ahead of Saturday's lunchtime kickoff against Motherwell. You know, the, the team's traits has to be good organisation, togetherness and personality. And uh, and I mentioned that before, we went down to uh, 10 men and 9 men. And, and and those are traits that you need in any good team. And I think the, the players have demonstrated that. You know, the, the one thing I've always said is that we won't unravel mentally if we go down to 10 men. Why? Because the guys will understand what it is they have to do. So... And then that's what they did, both in Feyenoord and uh, and against Livingston. Now, we don't want to make a habit of it, that's for sure. But I think that the greatest respect the three sort of sendings off weren't, they weren't sort of malicious, they weren't discipline issues. It was decisions that were made by, by referees. So so we have to accept that. And then very quickly, we have to have the plan in terms of what it is, what happens next. And I think when you have that, you've seen against Livingston, the stability of the team. They stayed calm, stayed in control. And I mentioned it before, I'm not a coach. I like my teams to play aggressive and be fast and dynamic and create lots of opportunities. But I don't like the team to be flying with the seat of their pants, you know, and needs to be in control and, and organised. So uh, the players demonstrated that last week brilliantly. And uh, yeah, we'll move on to our next game now and look to put in a good performance, hopefully, with 11 men. Well, I think they're obviously very, very well coached. First and foremost, I think that when I see them play, uh, they play the shape very, very well. You know, defending five four one and and morph into three four three when they when they have the ball, they all look very clear in terms of what it is they're doing. And they have a nice mixture in the game. They they build the game short, but they can also build it long as well. And uh, so yeah, so I think they've it's just done very, very well there. He's obviously gone in and and coached them very well and. Like I say, going to Motherwell is always a tough, tough game. I think in my experiences of going to there, it's a, it's a tough game. Always with a really good atmosphere. The pitch is normally fantastic, so should be a very good football game. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll prepare for a tough game. Yeah, well, we've got uh, obviously Cam, who's who's coming back in to rejoin the the training group. So, uh, but he won't be. He's not going to be ready till after the the international break, I would suspect. Um, Nat Phillips, we're just keeping an eye on. He's he's come in and and rejoined the the group. We just uh, have to make sure with his ankle, um, but that that looks looks much better. So uh, so yeah, and then no one else really that has been uh, that has been injured will be back. There we go, Brendan Rodgers there, looking ahead to the match against Motherwell. Now, also this weekend, the B team are in action against the University of Stirling. And again, who better to speak to about that game than none other than Stephen McManus, who is coaching the B team for, that's the second season now alongside Darren? Oh, second season, yeah. Second yep. season now, yeah. Um, how are you feeling going into the game against uh, Stirling? I think last season, uh, Stirling Uni 
were a pretty strong side. I know yeah. we had a, a really impressive victory against yeah. them as well in the Lowland League, but again, they were a difficult team, lots of energy, mm. full of young players that, that seem to, you know, they, they probably one of the teams in the Lowland League that actually train the most yeah. often because of the, the format of uh, the way that the players are there. Um, so how are you feeling going into the game in this, this weekend? Yeah, very confident as, as we always are. You know, the, the players will be, will be well prepared for the game as they always are. Um and like you say, this period of time, Ryan, the, the games come thick and fast. When and this is this is a brilliant platform. Last year, I think we played something like 55, 56 games. So you're now coming into a really busy period. Like you said, with the with the lone league domestic games, the UEFA Youth League games, the the Premier League International Cup. So we've got a real variety and a real variation within the games, which is part of the young players' development. Because like you say, you'll play against different styles. A lot of teams are di very direct in the lone league. Stirling Uni are one of the teams. Like you said, they've got a lot of younger players. They've got good energy levels that they, they, they get about the pitch very well and they try and play properly um, and so it's a game that, that, that the boys will be fully prepared for um, like I say well, well, results this year have been have been a wee bit inconsistent but for us the most important thing is development of the players as, as coaches both myself and Darren we, we don't look at the result as being the be all and end all that comes secondary towards what the performance is and, and how are the players developing that's our, our role is to is to try and develop players so that we can then give the manager and the first team staff an opportunity to then hopefully get players up with the first team. It's a really, really difficult thing for the boys to do is to is to try and come all the way through our academy or get into the B team and get into our first team because of the, of the level of, of, of where our first team are at and where they're competing on a weekly basis. Um, but it's absolutely achievable, it's, 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 it's doable, there's no doubt about that and for us there's no greater, there's no greater um, inspirational figure than, than, than Callum and James, guys that have come through it. But our, our job is to prepare them for for, for men's football and for first-team football. Whether that's at our place or whether it's somewhere else, we need to try and make an impact on these young players' lives on the pitch and off the pitch. The, the standards are so high that, and we demand a lot from the players, but the reason we demand so much from the players is because we know what it takes to get there. Um, and that's 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 the hard part for them. You're talking about just, you know, the sort of, not enough fixture congestion, but, uh, you know, a lot of games coming up. Yeah. You've got the UEFA Youth League. Yep. Uh, next week coming up against um, Lazio you know you're just off the back of the match against Feyenoord yeah. as well which you know wasn't a great result obviously yeah. but you know how does an experience like that you know playing against quality opposition how does that help our boys sort of progress and advance as well so what, what you can find Matt is all the way through our academy or a lot of our teams are very successful all the way through so if you're then at Celtic from 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years of age you're used to winning all the time when you then come into a first team environment yes the demands when you play at our club is to win absolutely every single game but you're not always going to do it so what we then need to then find is we then need to then find a balance where we're playing the Lowland League where the quality of the opposition isn't always of, of elite level because you're playing against part-time players, you're playing against men, but a lot of the players in the Lowland League, there's a lot of them that have played at a, at a good level, but there's not a lot that have then played at elite, uh, elite football within where our first team are then getting challenged. So the benefit for us when you then go and play in the UEFA Youth League is you're playing a, against a lot of, of, of young players talented European players that are going to go on to have top, top careers. 
some of your boys have never faced these kind of players before, so you, you, it's different challenges that you need to then figure out, you need to problem solve. Um, we get to see a lot of video footage of them, which is great, but the players need to feel what these levels are like. So we go to the, the, the game against Feyenoord, you're, there's 2,000 fans there. That are that it feels like a proper a proper game and it's competitive. It's competitive football. That's really important at this stage in their development because if you play against friendlies and you play against best v best, you, you've not really got that competitive edge. We're really lucky that you've got the balance of three different tournaments basically as such. So you're, you're, the variety within the games is very important. So when you get down to play the Premier League International Cup, you've got first team players that that aren't playing for the first team, that then drop back and play. So it's an under-21 tournament with three overage players. And it's, again, players that might need minutes. You then play in the UEFA Youth League. You're playing against the best young kids under-19 level throughout Europe. So you're playing against a lot of technically very, very gifted players that are trying to get in Real Madrid's first team or Feyenoord's first team, Shakhtar Donetsk's first team, Atletico Madrid's first team. So it's a real challenge to, for our boys to compete against. But they need to feel what it's like to play against these top players. Um, you then play in the lower league, like I say, you're playing against men. You're playing against you're, you're playing against guys that have been at a good level in Scotland that are that, are, that might need a win bonus. To, that they've got a job, so it's the boys need to then know what it's like. If you don't perform and you don't work to be a top top footballer, you might end up playing at that level. You might end up playing lower. Our job is to try and get the boys into the, the first team. So right now, I'm not saying that the lower league's the best answer for us to develop players but of all the solutions that are available that are put in front of us as a football club the games program that we feel got just now yeah. we feel as if it's certainly beneficial to the young players so it's, it's saturday three o'clock for the game against saturday three o'clock yeah, at, excelsior. Uh, at so excelsior if anyone wants to get themselves along after watching uh, the first team game against motherwell then then definitely do that and you know matt touched upon uh, your Lazio game in the Youth yep. League. Obviously, the first team are going to be playing Lazio next season in the Champions League as well. I think next week we'll have a proper chance to really look into that match in depth. But what I did want to touch upon, just keeping in that European feel, Stephen, is your own European memories of playing here at Celtic Park because yep. there were some massive moments, yep. some goals in there as well. Um, Matt, you kind of looked into some of the, some of Stephen's European moments as well, haven't you? Yes, uh, I have. And so we'll just come again, get the old stats book back out here. <laughs> uh, so you made 23 Champions League appearances. Mm -hmm. uh, Not bad. Which is sensational, really, when you think about it, especially when you consider that on two occasions we were in the last 16 yep. of the competition um, as well. And but, but the thing that really stuck out to me, we were looking at, you know, some of the teams that we played against, some of the players that you faced, you yeah. know, during your career at Celtic playing in the Champions League, it's not a stretch here to say, you know, these are some of the biggest and best names in the modern modern football history, pretty much, because, you, you know, you're coming up against guys like Rooney and Scholes and Ferdinand, Alex Ferguson's Manchester United, you know, I mean, they would yeah. have struck fear into the heart of any team, but of course... They come not here, us. not us, of course. <laughs> they come here, the wonderful NACA strike and stuff like that. Must have been a, a wonderful night. You must have had a good view of that as well, standing behind yep. it and having a look at that sailing see, in. Just, see, just on that, actually, that's actually one of my favourite. I mean, it's one of my favourite moments as a Celtic fan being here, but it's one of my favourite angles is when it's behind Nakamura and the ball's going over, and you can see yourself, yep. Stephen, and you're jumping up and down, yep. like almost before it's went in the back of the net. I love it. Yeah. Sorry, just no, no. I mean, yep. let's let's go into that because what a goal, <laughs> what a moment. I think it's one of our, you know both Ryan and I, one of our fondest memories as supporters for yourself. What's that like? As soon as he hits that, 
Do you have a feeling that that's sailing into the top corner? It was it was funny, Matt, you know, because when uh, I remember when Naka first signed, so I think his first game here was against Dundee United, so I think he I think he he'd maybe trained on the Thursday or the Friday. Um so it was I think it was the first home game of the season. Um because we, we were away to we were away to Motherwell, I think we then played their meet, uh, played Bratislava away first, then we away to Motherwell, we then played Bratislava at home, I think on the Tuesday or the Wednesday, then it was Dundee United here. And when Naka came in, you know, you didn't you didn't really know what you were getting. And then the first time you kinda of seen him, you thought, Well, this 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 guy can play. Um the more he played with him, you seen him in training, anything for 20, 25 yards, you almost felt it was like a penalty kick because you knew that he was going to work the goalkeeper. Um he was an absolute genius, uh, genius to work with a brilliant player, brilliant work ethic. Um and, and again I was so lucky to play. Again, that moment I can still see just now where you're standing and you're hoping just please hit the target, but then when you see the distance that he's out, I'm saying there's no way that he's going to score for here. And, and, then it, well, and against, it's like, it, it was an incredible strike, and he, but he'd already done it down there. That's yeah. right. You know, so he'd, he'd scored a free kick at Old Trafford. So I remember actually speaking to Dan Fletcher about when we were away with Scotland, and I think Alex, Sir Alex Ferguson had gave Van der Sar it pretty tight <laughs> in the second game because he'd already done it. So, but the distance that he was out, it was, it's, it's an iconic picture. And again, I was, I was fortunate enough to be a part of it, which was incredible. And I think that night. I'm pretty sure that put us through. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. And at the time we didn't know that until we obviously went into the dressing room and we realised it. But even back then, you don't realise what you've actually achieved until you look back and and you see how hard it is to get into the Champions League. Uh, nowadays, it's 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 where you want to be. It's where our club should be. There's absolutely no doubt. And I've been, I've, I've played, I've experienced some incredible atmospheres. The atmosphere at final the other night was incredible. Yeah, it was, wasn't but it? there's nothing like it when there's a Champions League night at, at Celtic Park. It's the, it's the best nights that you'll be involved in as a player. And thankfully now I can, I can, I can enjoy it as a supporter <laughs> and as part of the staff. I mean, back to this. Um, I mean, what's some of the names on this list, by the way? Yeah. Unbelievable. You've got, you know, you're coming up against Pirlo, Maldini, <laughs> Kaka. Well, Less said about Kaka, the better, obviously, because <laughs> yeah. scores. That extra time winner uh, in San Siro. But then you've got Iniesta, Messi, Henri, Ronaldinho. I mean, Not bad. you know, it's incredible lineup. You know, what is it like to face players of that quality? I mean, surely as a football player, like you say, that's the level you want to be playing at, is it? Uh, for us, it was. You know, again, I was lucky to play in really good size. I remember when you grew up, when you come in here as, 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 as a young player, you've got aspirations to be a first team player. Um, then when you, my biggest thing was I, I, I didn't want to just do it once or twice. I wanted to, I wanted to make it, I felt as if I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to make a, I wanted to make some of my career. I, I, I had it in my mind that I would have, I wanted to be a regular. I knew how hard that was going to be. Yes, listen, you need a bit of luck at the, to be at the right place at the right time, but that's only to get your opportunity. Once you get that opportunity, you need to take it. Um, and again, when you look at the time, you don't realise that's that's the players that you're playing against because that's the level that you're playing at. You know, we were we were here. You were you were playing for Celtic every week. You were a regular. You were winning games. You were winning trophies. You were competing at the highest level. You were playing at international level. So these were the players that you played against. Um, it's only now that you sit back and you go, you've 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 you feel as if it's no you that's done it because it's a completely different life. Um, but it's nice to nobody can ever take these kind of moments away from you. I think it's important, like I said, I think having the humility and and, and being humble about it's very important because that's what what our club's been built upon. Um, and again, when you see the guys that do it just now, they're of the exact same, the exact same milk, the exact same mould. Because when you come through our academy, that's 
that's what you're brought up in. That's the way you, that's the way you're brought up. Um, but these moments are the best days of your life. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And if you could if you could go back and experience it again, mm. you would do it in a heartbeat because yeah. you realise how much it means to people. You know the the, the joy. Uh, the satisfaction that you see in other people's face, your family, and my family all grew up Celtic supporters, and they come here and they watch you competing in these games. It's it's incredible, and that's that's probably what makes you the proudest is the fact that you've you've been able to make a difference in the people closest to your life. Yeah. Uh, any favourite memories in the European games? And if you don't say the AC Milan game, I'm going to say it for you. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> goal on that. Listen, the, the, I don't think I ever scored for Celtic outside the box. <laughs> but there was always, there was something special that happened in, in, in the European games for us here when we played in the Champions League where it was last minute winners. And I think that's what the best Celtic teams all do. You see it, you see it now, you see when the fans really get behind the, the players, but the players need to inspire the fans as well. There's got to be some sort of, there's got to be excitement from the pitch that then goes into the, into the fans and it's almost as if the ball got sucked into the net because you can just feel it. I've also been at the other end of it when you're playing against a Celtic team and that's what it feels like. So as a player, you need to take full advantage of that. But that's again going back to what we're seeing just now with Brendan's side as well about um, the togetherness, the, the, the camaraderie between the players, the staff, everybody's together and that's these are the, the, the things yeah. that, that you must have if you want to be successful Celtic sides. Yeah, and we'll, we'll kind of move on to your actual just Celtic memories in mm -hmm. general, um, but just kind of closing off that European section, I can remember that AC Milan game again was one of the, one of my highlights of going to the games as a fan, but it was crazy because as you mentioned, there were just seemed to be this thing with the Celtic team back then that you went into games expecting to win, even though this was the European champions. I can remember, so Kaka scores a penalty in that game, and that was the first time we conceded a goal at home in Europe in three years. Is that right, right yeah. now? Yeah, I can remember coming away from it. Obviously, absolutely delighted with the win, but part of me going, Got can't you believe we conceded <laughs> a goal. It was, it was Henrik Larson that scored the last goal against right. in 2004, uh -huh. and then Kaka was the next one in 2007. Yeah. But, I mean, amazing memories, amazing amazing times as fans and I'm sure it's the same same as a player as well um, but yeah just kind of touching on just your general Celtic career and looking at some of the domestic stuff as well Matt there's been some some big moments for, for Stephen there as, as captain absolutely and you know we were having a little chat about you know our favourite memory of, your, of yourself from your playing career and, and what that was and obviously we're going, we'll get your sort of take on it in, in, a, in a minute or so here but as Ryan touched on earlier you know 203 appearances for Celtic, 20 goals for Celtic, which is, is not bad. That's, you know, one in 10, you know, yeah, one record. goal. It's not bad. It's quite good. Um, you know, league titles, Scottish Cup, League Cups, you know, a wonderful record um, there. But for me, I think looking back, my personal point of view on, on, on your career and the standout sort of moment for me, it's got to be the 2008 league title win. You know, the whole title for Tommy, Seeing you at Tannadice, Tommy Burns on the on the t-shirt with a slogan "You'll always be with us," yeah. lifting that league title, which looked so unlikely only you know a month or so before yeah. it. That that to me is a standout, and um, I'd say probably a, a, in my opinion epitomises yourself as a captain and as a player. You know to lead that team and drive it over the line when it didn't really look like that was going to happen. Not, no. I remember sitting. At, oh, I didn't. I was very young, but obviously, unfortunate enough not to get a ticket for Tannadice that night. But I remember sitting in the living room watching that game, 
Just what a feeling. That must have been an incredible moment. It was, inc- it was, it was, it was emotional a time for, for us as players, staff, as, uh, because Tommy had, had, he was such an important part of our life. You know, when I first met Tommy, Tommy had, I think I was in, I was under 18s, under 17s, Tommy had then, because Tommy had come back with Kenny Leash, obviously to work at the first team, and then he, 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 Martin then came in and Tommy then dropped back to work with the, the kind of youth team at the time as well and can oversee the kind of the whole academy as such. So that was the first time and Tommy used to actually join in with us in training <laughs> and he was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> but his enthusiasm it was and his personality was yeah. what it was what kind of shone through. He had time for absolutely everybody. Um and then probably probably if you speak to Gordon, even now and back then, one of the most instrumental um, decisions that he probably made throughout his career was was bringing Tommy as part of his staff um, because you had you had Gordon, you had Gary Pendry, you had Jim Blythe that, that Gordon had obviously brought in, but he then promoted Tommy up, and and at that point you seen Tommy for human element, you see him on a day a day to day basis. Like I grew up watching Tommy Celtic sides and Tommy, I remember Tommy playing. I remember obviously watching videos and 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 when he signed the Canio and. Cadet, and and it was like it was a turning point for us as, as, at my age in the nineties. You know, it was it was some of the best football I had ever seen live at Celtic. And then when he came obviously in to work with you on a daily basis, I mean, he, Tommy was intense. If, if Tommy lost the plot with you, dear me, he, he could give you <laughs> yeah. oh both barrels absolutely. And anybody, anybody that got it, you knew that that Tommy was giving you. But he had always your best interest at heart all the time. Um, and then obviously I, I'm then a first team player. Gordon then brings Tommy back up, and he's he's banter on a daily basis on the training ground was absolutely incredible. And, and at this point, I'm like I say, I'm a first team player. I had already made my debut. I think it was 22, 23 at the time. Um, so I, it wasn't as if he, I was 16, 17. I, I had already experienced that with him. But when he was part of the staff, he was absolutely incredible. Just there wasn't he? Oh, just the, 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 just the way that he, he was. He's he's he was just incredible. And even the new guys that then came in, they just they, they gravitated towards him. He was always laughing. There was always something, no matter how, no matter how disappointed we had been with a result or whatever. In the Monday morning, Tommy was the one that used to just lift the place. Um, Listen, we were, we were all good players. You played in a very good team, so so there wasn't a lot of down moments. But when there was, Tommy just lifted the whole the whole place, and it was it was it was incredible to be a part of that at that time. And then obviously, towards the end, when we obviously get the news about his illness, it, it, we were shattered. We were absolutely devastated. Um, it, it just sucked the life right out, out of all of us, you know. And. So that period, and I remember getting the phone call in the morning. I was still in bed when we get the phone call to see obviously what had happened, and we it was we we didn't know what, we didn't know the best way to kind of to go about it was, but we just felt we had to we had to try and achieve something for that moment for Tommy as a group. I really felt it for Gordon at that particular time because I I, I couldn't imagine what it'd be like to lose a member of your staff who's who's so trustworthy and you've got so much time for and that you lean on. In, in, in difficult periods of time, um, so I've, I've got no idea how how the staff coped with it, but we just tried to kind of galvanise everybody together as as, as a group, uh, and it was the best send off that we could basically give him, um, even for his family, for everybody, because he, he just meant so much to every single one of us, um, and even now there's 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 days go by where you can think of Tommy and, and you just smile whether you're driving home in the car yourself, 
and I've no doubt the people that have worked with him for the length of time that we all did still feel the same way about him. Um, so his legacy will never ever will never be forgotten at our club because he touched the hearts of so many people, not just in the footballing sense, but obviously the employees throughout the club. He knew everybody. Um, he was absolutely in incredible. And even when we were away with Scotland, um, I remember him falling asleep and one of Walter's team talks. He <laughs> 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 just, just nod off. He was just brilliant. There was There's the, one guy that can get away with it. I, Tommy, but, but listen, you had Tommy and you had Alan McCoyst and you had, you had Walter, so the dynamics, you wouldn't pitch the three of them together <laughs> no. because of their background. Yeah. But they were absolutely incredible and that's when you realise how special a person Tommy was that he could break down that divide. So... Um, the values that he instilled in so many people is is is, yeah. is what drives so many people on at our club. Some some really nice words there, yeah, and yeah, definitely. a really a really emotional title. Um, obviously that year as well, Phil O'Donnell passed as well. Um, so it was a really difficult year, I think, for the football club and for the for the team to pull together yeah. and get that title. Really, really stands the test of time. Mm -hmm. Um, my favourite memory, Stephen, of yourself, is. January 2006. <laughs> Time Castle. Time Castle. 3-2. 2-0 down at half time. Yep. Stephen Pearson gets a goal back in the game and then you get two goals out of nowhere right in stoppage time. Uh, do you know what? It's, it's funny, Ryan, because uh, so I was I was really lucky. My, my, all the way throughout my career, my, my dad, for a young kid, my dad, my two papas went to every kind of game um, and then my dad's dad passed away on the Thursday and I made my debut in the, in the Sunday at Easter Road. So, my dad's dad never got to see you playing in the first team kind of thing, but my, my dad, mother, papa, my mum's dad, he went, and he was able to see your full career. But my mum and dad were actually in Boston at, over that New Year period. Um, so for the for any, for him to miss that any sort of game, he, he still talks, but, they, <laughs> but he watched it in a he watched the game in a Boston uh, Celtic supporters club in Boston. Oh. And he's listen, my family are very quiet. They'll know similar to yourself. They'll not really talk a great deal about what you but. I don't think he could control his emotions at that day and I don't think he bought a drink. I think he came out of the pub in Boston absolutely blittered. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a brilliant a brilliant time and a really difficult game because Hearts were a very good side at that time. There was a bit of noise. I think there was three points, a difference at, yeah, the, right. at the top yeah. of the table at that point. Hearts were second. Hearts were second. Rangers obviously were, were third at that period in time. Um, but Hearts were a very good side and they came at the they, they, they came out the traps really, really quickly. Tynecastle's a really difficult place to go. It's hostile. Hearts were really aggressive in everything that they did. And they came out as they went 2-0 up. I think they got a goal chopped off as well. So it was like, we were like rabbits in headlights at that point because that would have put it back to, to, to level points. And we knew at that point, the media and whatnot were desperate for Hearts to keep going and to keep pushing us. So it was almost a case of, if you could win that game, you could, you could, you could, stay clear by six points and almost kind of takes the wind out there sail a wee bit um, but I remember the set I remember at half time Gordon Gordon been been, been, been putting a, whole, a few home truths but I remember him actually been quite clear in his message to say look if you get the next goal we can, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens in the game and I, I think Stephen Pearson come on and changed the game that day um, I think he, if I'm right in saying he came on for Stan Petrov yeah. um, and again Stan was an incredible player here for us, but Piro came on and just gave us something different because he ran beyond the ball. He was able to support the strikers, but he caused problems by making forward runs. Um, so he got in the end a really good cross. I can't remember who put the ball in. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, yeah. But Piro kind of changed the games, and again, you're getting out in the game with, with, with two one down with the last five minutes. And back then, we always 
caused a threat. We were always a threat set plays, you know, it was myself, there was Bobo, um, John Hartson was in that side, Magic Sarafsky was very good in there at that time, so you had players that could, if you put the ball in the box, and again, you had Naka's delivery, that Naka could, could find anybody that he wanted to at any given time, so... And again, he put in a, a brilliant ball and I was lucky enough to get in the end of uh, uh, the first one. And, and at that point, you're saying you'll take a point <laughs> to each at Tynecastle after 2-0 down with it being incredible. So, um, and again, we kept pushing, we kept pressing. And uh, that was something that, that again, we spoke about the best Celtic sides. For me, they seem to, to keep going and keep going and create chances towards the end of the game. And that's what Gordon's side, that's what we did at that particular time. So to go for 2-0 down, he won 3-2. And I was fortunate enough to get in the end of two to two crosses and I think again I've not got a lot of pictures anywhere else in my house or anywhere but that's that's probably my, my favourite one that I've got is, yeah. is when you go and, and you're in front of the Celtic fans and, and you've got your arms out in there because you know again going back to you know exactly how much it means to people um, and the importance of that it was it was in uh, uh, the grand scale of the of the season and how it was going to then pan out it was incredible it was a, it was a probably it's one of my favourite moments. Yeah, what, what a moment. with the club. sensational. And, you know, you're what talking about... everyone's dream. The exactly. I was going to say, it's, a, it's Roy of the Rovers stuff. Yeah. You know, two goals right at the death to win the game. If Instagram had been, you know, a thing <laughs> back then, I can only imagine your Insta story would have been plastered <laughs> with photographs of yourself. Uh, uh, it wouldn't be me that posted it. That's for sure, because if you've got any mind now, there's nothing. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's not me. But I get uh, brilliant, brilliant times, ah, you know what I mean? Again, brilliant. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, we're slightly running out of time a wee bit. Um, so we're going to move on to, we've got some fan questions sent yep. in. Um, and one of them actually, just to just to mention who it was, because they did ask about um, Ryan Co Coyle, who was asking about what we said at halftime in that Hearts game. And he goes on to saying it was the best New Year's Day ever. You touched on that there. But I just wanted to give Ryan a shout out. Um, one's here uh, from Timothy O'Leary. He's asking, have you got any Tommy Gravison stories? <laughs> Oh, Tommy Gravison was absolutely mental. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely mental. Um, I remember, I remember doing, <laughs> I remember doing a recovery session in the pool after, after, after a game. Um, and Stephen Presley had, had came to our club mm. in, the, in the January. Obviously, left Hearts and Big Elvis was a great guy, brilliant guy. But he was, he was, he was ahead of his time and how he looked. He, would, he used to wear a cravat in the training, <laughs> uh, but uh, very stylish. Uh, but a brilliant guy but again we were younger players but you're not too young but the banter was great with it but I remember doing a recovery session in the pool and I remember Tommy Gravison was one of the strongest guys that I've ever seen he was, and he used to bear hug people and when he bear hugged you he would do it for like a, a, a long period of time it was really uncomfortable if you were standing there because you were like right, Tommy let whoever it is go but he wouldn't let you go so he would just hold the person and, and they couldn't move so we were in the, we were we were doing a pool session one time, and he put Elvis in a in a bear hug. And Elvis was a strong boy, put him in a bear hug. But he also then tipped his head and dunked him <laughs> with his head, and then he would bring him up. And he'd done this two or three times, and Elvis couldn't breathe, so he just kept dunking <laughs> big Elvis, who was a senior player. It was it was bizarre, um, but so funny because of how strong he was, and then he, he thought he was going to drown. So, I mean, Tommy just kept that Elvis up and down. So a brilliant character, and by the way, a brilliant player. Yeah. A, oh, a brilliant player. Stronger than Ox. I feel bad laughing at that, but that's. Uh, I know. Actually, we bumped into him in, in, in Las Vegas. Believe it or not, I, no you, way, I, 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 myself and John Kennedy, we bumped into him in, in, in Vegas. What, uh, was he, what was he saying? No, he was, he was just the exact same as what yeah. he's always been. He was so so friendly, 
just he made all his money over there. He was, I think, he was, I think he was a poker player or at that particular time. So, but aye, that was great guy, great guy. Just don't go near him. Don't allow him to bear hug you. Matt, is there anything in there in the fan questions you want to take a look at? Yeah, I'll just have a wee look through some of these. Yeah, some of these have been sorry. wonderful that I've been <laughs> saying, I don't know, just try to recover from that there. Um, so, Logan Wren, 19, is asking the best player that you played against. We had a little look earlier at some of those names, but from your take on it, who was the best player that you faced in your career? Uh, Messi was, was the best that I'd ever, I'd ever played against. Again, he, he played against us here at Celtic Park. It was incredible. And then I think he got, took off in the new camp after five minutes. Um, but he was incredible. I've never I've never played with somebody that I played against somebody that kept the ball so close to his foot. It was incredible. It was as if he had the ball was stuck to his foot. He was he was absolutely incredible and, and a, a phenomenon. And then you obviously see the career that he's had. Yeah. He's been the greatest ever for me. Do you know what's funny? Actually, I've watched a documentary on Messi fairly recently, and it's a game at the the New Camp that we lost one 0 in the last sixteen. So he goes off after five minutes. But he says in his career was actually the turning point because prior to that. He used to just basically eat sweets and drink all the cola and he didn't really care about yeah. his body and his body was starting to break down. He went off injured in that game and he went off in tears That's right. when he went off injured and after that there was just this realisation that I need to look after my yeah. body. So I don't know if someone put a tackle on him or something, I can't really remember what happened we but could, that was yeah, we could weird the reason that Messi <laughs> became. We could spin this here, uh, the title of this will be that Stephen McManus uh, made <laughs> oh, not at all. career, that <laughs> not is the, not at all. That's the headline. Not at all. Um, we'll go not for one all. final one uh, Stephen because we've taken up plenty of time and thank you everybody for sending your questions and apologies we've not been able to get through them all but, but keep sending them in for future episodes because we definitely want to hear more from you. Um, and we'll just round it off with this one from Dominic Tollin who asks what are your short and long term coaching ambitions now you're sitting here as a coach uh, just now again your your, your short term goals is, is I've always said that I would, I would attack my coaching career the same way that I did with my with my playing career which I would give absolutely everything to the, to, to, that I possibly can to my, to my role at the football club and to the club my, my job is to give young players the best opportunity to try and, and, and get into our first team and give them the best chance to be in successful footballers for Celtic. If it's not going to be Celtic, it will hopefully be somewhere within um, their career. I work with Darren. Darren's the exact same. You know, I think it, that's the reason why it works is because the two are very similar in, in what we're trying to achieve. Long term, you never know. You never know what the what, what the future is going to hold. Like I said, I've, I, I love being part of our club, but I love working with, with players. I love being in the training pitch. I love taking training. Um, organisation but having an impact on, on people trying to become footballers again I'm only trying to give players the, the education that we were lucky enough to get here wherever that takes me I've got no idea whether it's going to be as, as, as a coach whether it's a first team coach whether it's a manager an assistant I've got no idea I'll, I'll, I'll see what it takes me but but what I will do is I've, I've always said that I would give it my absolute best and absolutely everything that's my nature that's my character and and that's that will never change no matter where I go so um, as long as the as long as the football club are happy with what I'm doing, as long as I'm happy in the role that I'm doing, and, and, and that you're working as hard as you can, you feel valued, you feel a part of things, then you'll 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 keep doing the, the job you're doing in football. You just never know what's round the corner. But the most important thing for me is is giving my absolute best for the football club. Brilliant. I think that's a perfect way to end the podcast. Um, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. It's been our our first guest, Matt. It was a, it was a good one, wasn't it? Absolutely sensational. Wonderful uh, stories and. 
great words about Tommy as well in there. So thank you very much. And yeah, thanks for having me as well. Yeah, no, no, Matt, you're going to be a regular, so do not worry about that. You'll be probably back again next week. And yeah, thank you everybody for listening for our first episode of the new season. Really, really appreciate it. And as I said, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so on our Twitter at Celtic View or by our email address, CelticView at CelticFC.co.uk. Remember, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts um, and keep up to date with us on our social media channels. And remember, our next podcast will be out next Tuesday. We'll be looking ahead to all things Lazio. But yeah, thank you once again for listening. Thank you, Stephen, for joining us. Thanks for having me. And thank you, Matt, again for joining us as well. And hopefully we've got a couple of victories on Saturday to to look forward to and to, to discuss next week. But for now, hail, hail and enjoy your weekend.